You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. Someone actually just shared a testimony with me before, before the services during team prayer uh, last week when we opened it up for, for prayer, for healing. That person had been dealing with some physical issues, needing God to touch their body, but they hadn't yet been to the doctor. And... Uh, they went and received prayer from one of the, te- the uh, team teams, the prayer teams, and God touched them in that moment, went to the doctor later that, that week and got a, a clean bill of health from the doctor. So <laughs> praise God. There's just like those simple acts of response of obedience that we take that God is so attracted to. And so thank you, Joshua, for being led by the Lord and for that person that stepped out too. Um, so excited to be with you all this morning, excited to bring the word if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Exodus chapter 13. I've got a message on my heart this morning to actually open up a series of messages, a place we're going to plant ourselves for several weeks right here in Exodus 13, Exodus 14. Maybe, maybe a familiar place in Scripture, um, the, the great Exodus story of the, the children of Israel and the crossing of the Red Sea. I've just felt this stirring in my heart for quite a while, a couple months now that uh, we need to plant ourselves here in this, this moment, this iconic moment in, in Israel's history um, to reorient our vision of the future. Because uh, there's so much that takes place right here in this passage that I want it to inform uh, how we view what God's destined us to in this moment in history, in this moment in our city. Um, me and my wife just got to spend a few days out in Redding, California uh, for a few days getting, getting away and dreaming with the Lord. Uh, we just felt it, especially coming to the new year, uh, that if we're not intentional about putting ourselves in positions to be stretched and to be um, you know, stirred and spurred, spurred on, uh, a lot of times we'll grow stagnant and maybe we fool ourselves into thinking that we're really contending for, for great things, but we haven't really put ourselves in those positions around people that are, are going after even bigger things. That's what we did this week. We, we spent time dreaming with the Lord, saying, God, how can we better equip the church, equip everyday believers to live the message of Jesus? If this message really is alive and at work amongst us and relevant to Monday through Sunday, then God, help us, give us vision, give us clarity on how to better equip everyday believers to live that out. And that happened all week long as we were around people from all over the world if you know my wife, you know she, uh, she, she can make friends with anybody and everybody. And so soon our little posse just started to grow. And uh, we went to lunch with a random group of people one of the first days. And, uh, and it was just like this international global group. We didn't know anybody coming into this conference. Uh, but we, end, we left with a ton of friends. And uh, around this lunch table there was this couple from Toronto, Canada that, that just loved Jesus and they planted a church in a difficult neighborhood there in Toronto and amazing testimony of God delivering them and setting them free and now they're serving Jesus in a difficult place. Um, we had a young man from, from London and he was just a hoot and uh, we had a, a guy, a, a premier worship leader really in what God's doing in the United States and down, down in Dallas um, we just got, we got to meet him. It was an honor to meet him. And then we got to hang out with this guy from South Africa who's, who's planted an orphanage rescuing kids out of the, the garbage heap in Johannesburg, South Africa. And I mean, he was just, he just stirred us up and, and spurred us on. It was just like this global group around the table. Um, 
that, that God just stirred us up and really stretched us a lot, gave us such, um, such faith for what God wants to do here. It makes, you, it makes you know that you're a part of something bigger than yourself. Like, wow, God, I get to live in this day and age. I'm a part of something amazing. Um, and um, yeah, there's so many testimonies from, from this week of, of things that God did. We, we ended up ministering to this old gentleman right outside the restaurant and and uh, it seemed like he had a background in faith. And he started just singing hymns, all these hymns from his childhood, you know, from his life, started bubbling up from him. Out in the parking lot, he started singing this hymn, these hymns. He was kind of making a scene a little bit. And this, this, this older lady saw this kind of commotion. And she's like, hey, can you guys pray for me? I don't know what you're doing, but can, can you pray for me? I just had a biopsy this week. And uh, would you mind praying for me? And we got to minister to this, this uh, lady right there in the parking lot. And there was just this atmosphere of faith. And uh, it really encouraged our hearts for what can be created when we band together and we lock arms together as the people of God and go after it. God has positioned us for something great in this city, not just to take up ground, um, to just kind of occupy some real estate. He's positioned us. And so as we look at this, this passage in Exodus 13 and the following weeks in Exodus 14, we see the, the people of God, the children of God, being positioned for like a grand moment. But as much as we think of the crossing of the Red Sea, and honestly, it's one of those, it's such a prominent moment in, in, in uh, Israel's history that it's, it's referred to you know, 29 different times throughout the Old Testament as you know, that time when we, we, we crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. And that, God, that time, that, that moment that God came through, the miraculous, it's such an iconic moment. But at the same time, it's really not all that unique because the people of God are a miraculous people. They're a supernatural people. And so I want to instill in our hearts this morning this, this burning sense that you are a supernatural person. If God is, if you've, if you've um, surrendered your life to Christ, Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, you are initiated into this miraculous story and you become a miraculous person. You become a supernatural person. The, the message of the gospel and the good news is not natural, it's supernatural. Psalm 113 describes this taking us from the garbage heap, the King James Version says the dung hill, and placing us with princes. That's the story of the gospel. Takes us from the, the, the depths, you know, the, the pit, from the, the miry clay, from the, the garbage heap, and he props us up with princes, place in which we do not deserve. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. We'll even just take a quick look at an amazing passage that describes the if you, if you want to turn there, you can turn. It's not going to be on the screen. So Ephesians chapter 2 says it like this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers and the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were, we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved, for he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. It's that phrase, but God. That really encapsulates this entire series. We want to be a people that as they, they talk about what God's doing amongst us as a community, as, God, as people recognize what's going on in your life, they say, but God, it's only by God's grace. Yeah. This, these are, we are 
only uh, these, these moments that mark our lives can only be described by God. God's power, his supernatural provision, the impossible being made possible by God. And so it's kind of that framework, that idea that leads us then to Exodus 13, that you are a supernatural people. The children of God were a supernatural people. And as much as we think of this moment in Israel's history as, as unique, it is unique in its particulars, but over, overall, it's not all that unique. The supernatural has marked them time and time again. The miraculous has marked them. It's followed them. It's what set them apart. It's God's powerful provision time and time again. And it leads them here into the wilderness as God has freed them from the superpower of the day. How many of you know that's miraculous? That's, that's supernatural. It's not natural for, for Pharaoh to give up his free labor. 1.2 million people. But God powerfully delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians. And it leads us to verse 17, Exodus chapter 13. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. When he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. The Israelites left Succoth and camped at uh, Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at, the night, or at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. They are marked by the supernatural. They're marked by the miraculous. And it's all around them. It went before them to, to deliver them from the hands of the Egyptian. It goes before them now in the, the form of this pillar of cloud, this pillar of fire. And it leads them to what seems in the natural to be a dead end, the Red Sea. And that's where we find ourselves positioned. And as we look around our city, as we... As we Look around our present age. There are a lot of dead ends. There's a lot of red seas in front of us. There's, there are impossible situations in the natural before us. If you're a parent in this place, sometimes maybe your heart burns for what seems like impossible things for the next generation, for those that are coming up behind us. But that, that's the nature of being a child of God, is you're being positioned in impossible situations so that only God can come through in that moment. And he gets the glory. He, he, he's the one who people look to and say, wow, your God is, is, not, is like none other. And so there's so much here, I believe, that, that informs Moses' thinking so that he can have the faith to lead the children of Israel into this moment. He's informed with something different than what maybe uh, comes natural to us. You know, we all have a history. You know, the history on this planet, a story I want to propose to you this morning, there's a supernatural story about your life that written into your, into your life by the work of Jesus Christ. And I want you to adopt that story as the preeminent story. I want you to receive that story, the supernatural story, as a child of God, as the overarching, overriding, dominant, preeminent story in your life. Because Moses had a lot in his 
history and his story that would disqualify him in this moment, standing you know, in front of an impossible dead-end situation. Uh, Exodus chapter, I'll just name a few of the disqualify, potentially disqualifying aspects of, of Moses' story. Because you might, you might think that you're disqualified from God using you in supernatural ways. You being a person of transformation and influence in the world around you. It's just not true. Moses, it says in Exodus 7, uh, 7 that he was 80 when God brought him before Pharaoh to, um, to command him to let the people go. So age is not a disqualifier. You know, Moses had a little bit of an anger issue. <laughs> he killed an Egyptian. He had an anger issue. He's a murderer. I don't know how many murderers we have in the house. I won't ask for hands, but there are some disqualifying aspects of his story. Maybe you think your sin issues, your, your past, maybe shame or condemnation that follows you. Those things disqualify you. You know, in Exodus 3, when Moses has the encounter with the burning bush, he, he speaks over himself that he has a stuttering problem. He's not great with words. He's not a charismatic leader. And so maybe it's your personality you feel like disqualifies you. Maybe you have a stuttering, a stuttering problem. Maybe you have a speech impediment. Maybe you have some other physical thing that you feel like disqualifies you. Moses had it all across the gamut. And yet he allowed a different story to inform a vision of his future. He, he allowed a, a supernatural story be, to be the, the preeminent informant of the, of the vision of what God was calling him to. And so he looked there into the Red Sea. I'm not saying Moses is perfect, but this entire time he's being led by something different, a supernatural uh, inclination towards God's redemptive work time and time again in his life. So there's kind of three aspects of, of this supernatural history that I, I want to point us to right here in, in Exodus 13. There's three aspects of this supernatural history with God that became the preeminent informant for Moses as he looked towards the future, as he knew burning in his heart that God was calling them to a promised land. He didn't call them to be slaves forever, to be, uh, to be oppressed and to be ruled, but instead there was something better he had for the people of Israel. And it was in this land of freedom, this promised land that burned in his heart so much so that he pressed in and he, he chose to believe a different story, God's story, God's history over his life. And the first is God's providence over his life. That God's story in Moses' life was bigger than him. There's several aspects here in Exodus 13, you see that. One is the fact that he trusts God in God's, God leading him in this roundabout way. You see that at the beginning in Exodus 13, you know, verse 17, 18 there, where it says, God didn't lead him straight through the Philistine territory. Where did God lead him? He led him on, the, on this long road around. Even though they were ready for battle, they were geared up, but God didn't want to lead them into this territory that he knew they weren't ready to really face yet. Sometimes you, you, you walk into situations and it seems like it's the long way around, right? It's like, well, I've been doing this for a long time and I, it feels like I'm kind of walking through the same things over and over. You feel like you're, you're equipped can I tell you, God knows what you're ready for. He can be trusted. There, there's, a store, there's, a, there's a grander, more sovereign uh, picture of God's story that he's writing over your life that he can be trusted. He can be trusted in that wilderness. He can be trusted in that round, uh, going, going in the roundabout way. 
as, as we see in Exodus chapter 13. God can be trusted, just like Tony talked about last week as we talked about the sovereignty of God. Those two words, he knows. You should just repeat that to yourself. When you feel like things are taking a little longer than they should be, just speak that over your life. God knows. He knows. You see it also in the fact that Moses is humble enough and wise enough to take Joseph's bones with him. Joseph gave him this promise. Joseph, you know, lived 400 some years before Moses. Centuries. So, you know, as as much aware of your history you think you are, in our modern age, a lot of times we're less aware than they were in this this day and age where there's such, you know, a reverence for oral tradition. But here they carried the, the... the heritage, the, the inheritance from Joseph, that they would be delivered and they, they would eventually walk in this promised land. Joseph gave them this promise. God will certainly come to help you. God will be your deliverer. God will set you free. And that resonated in Moses' heart, heart and he chose to receive that word spoken over him. Even, even in possible situations, it seemed impossible. They're, they're, they're entering the wilderness and then a dead end in the Red Sea. And yet he clung to this promise of God's providence over their life. God will certainly come to help you. And when he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. It was like a declaration of faith for Joseph to take along the bones of Joseph. To say, hey, this is the promise that's been given us. We're going to move forward. And we're not moving forward with the intention of failing or dying at a dead end. We're, we're moving forward with the bones of Joseph because we, we have this, this vision burning in our hearts, informed by the inheritance that we have. So we have a rich heritage as the people of God, as a history of the miraculous, the supernatural. It's a history that you can, you can tap into and know that God is writing a sovereign story over your life. He's inviting you into a story that's bigger than you. I feel like this hit me in a, a totally different way when I recently took my trip to Israel and I was standing there in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, this, this place where you know, the, the ascension of Jesus took place, this place that Jesus, you know, he literally stood on the Mount of Olives and he over, overlooked Jerusalem and he wept over Jerusalem in Matthew 19. That, that, that moment, it, it hit me. that I'm a part of a story that's so much bigger than me. And God is a providential, sovereign God that's, that's right, weaving you into a beautiful story, this tapestry, this mosaic, that, that you, have a, you have a part to play in it. And if you can humble yourself and submit to that narrative and allow that to inform your vision of the future, I, I feel like we can, we can endure a lot more then. We can endure those seasons through the wilderness. We can endure the seemingly impossible fronts that come, there, come our way. You know, the, the children of Israel, even in this day, you know, the, the nation of Israel now in our modern age became a, a, a recognized nation in 1947, you know, after really like 1900 years of, of exile. And me standing there in the nation of Israel as a, as a recognized nation just kind of hit me that, wow, I'm a part of this, this moment in history, this providential moment you know, where God is writing his story and he's still at work. He can still be trusted. These, these people have been given this promise. And here I get to just like kind of taste and see it. It was a beautiful moment. Beautiful moment. You know, it's these people that are, they're hated by all their enemies around them. They are a free nation, a democratic nation in the midst of, 
you know, hostile neighbors. Um, no one likes them. And yet God's hand of provision continually comes through. I mean, even in our day and age, you know, uh, in the you know, 21st century, this picture that we see in Exodus 13 is still being written over the children of Israel. It's really beautiful. So first is God's providence. That, that informed Moses' vision of the future. Second is this, God's miraculous power. There was no doubt in Moses' mind that God was a, a God of miraculous power, that he could do as he pleases. And in one sense, there's no miracle that's just, just a replica of another, but in one sense, there's this common denominator of time and time again, God does the impossible. He comes through with the supernatural. He comes through with, with the miraculous. So it doesn't rest in our own strength and it's not us resting on our, on, on our own laurels, but instead it's us pressing in and trusting God that he's gonna come through. And this, is, this marks the history of the children of Israel. This, this marks their story time and time again. You see it here in Exodus 13. We think of the Exodus 14 where we're going we're gonna to land the next several weeks. The crossing of the Red Sea is, is you know, the biggest miraculous moment of, of, of them all. But I would contend it's, it's pretty just normal in the life of an Israelite to experience the miraculous. It's just pretty normal. If, if, you, can imagine, if you can imagine being led through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud by day, by a pillar of fire by night. I cannot imagine. But they were surrounded by the miraculous. And they weren't perfect in recognizing the miraculous all about them, but Moses seemed to be one who was graced with a, a special faith to, to recognize it. And I believe it was his humble heart to recognize God's miraculous power time and time again that followed them. That's our inheritance. That's our heritage you are grafted into that story as a miraculous person. You're grafted into that. You have a miraculous heritage. So you might be a person and you say, I just feel pretty normal. Like honestly, Drew, I haven't experienced much miraculous uh, things in my life. Well, I would, I would encourage you, I would challenge you to, to stop speaking that over your life. I would encourage you to instead immerse yourself in this story, which is a story of the miraculous time and time again. And if we're not careful, we miss out and we, we, we allow ourselves, our vision of the future to be more informed by maybe the, the, the comings and goings of life rather than God's story time and time again of him providing miraculously, coming through with the impossible. I've been really challenged lately to allow my life to be, to be more informed with testimonies and stories of the things that God is doing so that we, we steward those things. I remember early on, you know, pa Pastor Tony talked last week about that, that tragic moment um, in our college years when his friend, um, his dad died of a brain aneurysm, the complications after a brain aneurysm and, and how horrifically difficult that was for him. But as he said, as he alluded to in his story last week, he alluded to the reality that at the same time in our community, or soon thereafter, somebody else experienced a healing uh, from the complications of brain aneurysm. And, and we have to, I feel like, be wise in choosing to feed our, our faith and feed our hearts with the testimony of Jesus. 
and allow that to be the thing that then informs our vision of the We humble our hearts like children and we choose to, to feed on that testimony of Jesus. That friend, uh, his mom got healed of a brain aneurysm. His name was Aaron. He was one of my best friends in college. And when we got word, I remember where I was. We were walking to a career fair, me and my friend Aaron. We were walking to a career fair across campus in North Dakota State. And he got word that his mom had a brain aneurysm. I mean, so he pulled the plug on all of his career planning, literally for the next uh, six months. And, and he rushed to the hospital. Later that night, a bunch of us Chi Alpha students, we, we went to the, the hospital, the waiting room, and we just began to seek the Lord and pray for healing and, and believe God that he was going to move in this moment. They didn't think she was going to make it through the night. She did survive through the night. And then time and time again, the, the, the report of the, the doctor was an impossible situation. It's just like the children of Israel. One after another, it was, she's, you know, she's, never going to come out of vegetable state. She's never going to be able to, to walk. She's never going to be able to talk. She's never going to be able to function. You know, one after another, those things. And time and time again, God came through. She came out. She came to into consciousness. Soon after that, she began to talk. Soon after that, she began to walk. Soon after that, she began to function normally like a normal human being. So fast forward then, about two years, Aaron ended up landing a job at the same company I did out in Seattle, and, uh, and his parents came out to visit us in Seattle. So imagine this woman who God miraculously healed of the complications of this brain aneurysm, walking around the streets of Seattle. This woman was just beaming with Jesus. <laughs> She's like, can I tell you, Jesus healed me. Every person we'd come in contact with. Jesus loves you. Do you know that? Jesus healed me. Hey, I'm not supposed to be alive. Do you know that? I'm just so thankful to be alive. It was like so easy for her to tell people about Jesus because God, because she was recognizing the miraculous power of God in her life. And we need to be a people that, that feed ourselves with, with these, these testimonies of the things that God has done. If you feel like you have no testimony, just feed yourself with the gospels. That becomes your testimony. That's the Jesus that lives inside of you. That's the Jesus that's alive today. It's the Jesus that healed the paralytic, that healed the blind, that healed the deaf, that provided financially and miraculously time and time again. That is the Jesus that is alive today. I remember one of the first miraculous healings that me and my wife witnessed before we were married. Uh, We were just dating. We were sitting in the front row at our church sanctuary. This woman got wheeled in with MS you know, late stages of MS, and they, they prayed for her. They pulled her out of the wheelchair, and she walked out fully healed. <laughs> she was dancing at the altars, and that marks you. And we, we choose to inform our vision of the future through the, through the lens of those testimonies rather than the other percentage of people that maybe didn't get healed, didn't get touched, or the people that are facing impossible situations. We choose to, to be like the children of Israel, at least Moses in this moment, and choose to, to feed ourselves and be informed by, by this, his, this supernatural history that's followed us and that's marked us as a people of God. That's the testimony of Jesus. I heard a testimony this week of a, of a young boy who was legally blind being healed. <laughs> and as he testified, you know, it was so easy for him just to talk about the work of Jesus. He's like, I was blind and now I see can I tell you about Jesus? Jesus touched me. And it just brings me to tears just to think about the power of God moving in that way. But that's the God that we serve and that's the the God that grafts you into his story. He's alive today 
And he's, he's working amongst us as a supernatural people. So I have more stories too, but I, I want to get to the, the third, third thing that I believe that Moses chose to inform, uh, he chose to allow to inform him of, of his vision of the future, and it was this. It was divine revelation. So it's God's sovereignty, God's miraculous power, and God's uh, divine revelation. We have a responsibility to steward what's been revealed to us. Otherwise, you know, knowledge just puffs up. And in the information age, we have to be careful to not just puff ourselves up with more knowledge, but instead humble our hearts, submit ourselves to Father God, and say, God, reveal it to my heart. Then we have a responsibility to then walk in faith and to act as people of faith, be, be people of the supernatural in accordance with what's been revealed to us. We have a responsibility, and Moses had this encounter, a radical encounter with God in Exodus 3. He had been in the wilderness for 40 years, you know, as a, as a castaway, as a, um, you know, a man who's self-condemned because he, he murdered the Egyptian. There in Exodus 3, he's, he's, um, he encounters God in the, in the form of the burning bush. You know, you know that story. And it's revealed to him that God has, God's writing a different story. God's doing something different. He's calling him. He's appointing him from this moment. But then also Moses has a responsibility to respond in obedience. He, he has a responsibility to do something with what's been revealed to him. And in these moments when push comes to shove, you know, when this pushback from Egypt, when Pharaoh doesn't want to relent, when when they're led into the wilderness in a roundabout road and they don't see the big picture, when they face a dead end in the Red Sea, I believe Moses has a decision to make. Is he gonna choose to believe what's been revealed to him or is he gonna choose to believe what's right in front of him? It's a decision we all have to make every single day. And Jesus didn't mince words about this kingdom principle of stewarding divine revelation. You can check it out for yourself, uh, Matthew chapter 11. You know, as he rebukes Bethsaida and Chorazin, he says, woe to you, Bethsaida, woe to you, Chorazin. If the miraculous things that have happened in your midst happened in Sodom, you know, Sodom would still be with us today. Because, because what happened in Bethsaida and, and Capernaum and Chorazin, these towns, the miraculous works of Jesus. So we live in a day and age where I want to tell you we are blessed with revelation. We are blessed. We are blessed with immense, not just information, but then uh, an opportunity to receive it as revelation in our hearts because Holy Spirit's, we are, we are in the age of the Holy Spirit. He's working in and amongst us. So you think back to those moments in your life where Holy Spirit pricked your heart, where God seemed so tangibly real, where maybe God convicted you of sin, where God called you to something. And we have a responsibility to live in accordance to what, what's been revealed to us. We have a responsibility to respond to that, not to continue to live in, in ignorance or disobedience. And we are, we're so blessed. How many translations of the Bible do you have on your phone? We got to hang out with, with a young lady who, who was working and planting a school this week as we were at the conference. She was planning a school in China, a plan, planning a school with the underground church there. She told story after story of the miraculous provision of God. There's six police officers in her little village that encountered the love of Jesus. So now they have this hedge of protection around the school. It's like the underground church doesn't have to be as underground now because God just intervened and, and moved and, and worked in the hearts of these police officers. 
But we don't live in China. We live in an age of, in a country of freedom and we can immerse ourselves in the word. But that's not all just kicks and giggles and, and blessing. There's also a, there's a, there's a stewarding and a responsibility that we have as people in the 21st century, people immersed in what the Holy Spirit is doing and aware of what God is doing to respond and live differently. We, we need to live with that, that sense of divine revelation informing our vision of the future rather than some other history. Are you tracking with me? It's our responsibility. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come forward and they're gonna sing that song, Waymaker. There's two things I wanna do this morning. As we, as we open up this series and we're gonna be talking about things I know that are not talked about a lot in the church because in our Western, more you know, left brain culture, I, I think we were fearful to talk about the impossible and the supernatural and the miraculous. But I want us as a church to push past that. We're not going to see what God wants uh, our church to see unless we press in and believe him for the miraculous. The, the situations that face our city our region, we're only gonna see breakthrough in those, those areas if, if God, only God. That's the essence of this entire series. We're ready for only God. Nothing that we can manufacture, nothing that we can create in our flesh, but only God. So this morning in response, I want us to receive from the Lord in a fresh way. Faith to recognize his providence. Faith to to inform ourselves with the testimony of Jesus and faith to respond to divine revelations. If you'd stand in this place, this song is a, a mighty declaration of who God is and in the, in the Exodus story, obviously he's the way maker and miracle worker. And I, want, I want you to sing that over your own life. That's who he is. That's who he is in your life. This morning is an opportunity for you to stop making excuses, for you to stop disqualifying yourself. This morning is a morning for us as a church to stop disqualifying ourselves as a church. We're supernatural people and God is gonna do something supernatural in our city and our region because we choose to inform ourselves with our supernatural history. That's who, that's who we serve, that's the God we're going after. So Lord, this morning we respond to you. I would just encourage you to maybe place your hands out in front of you to receive. It's a, a physical demonstration, a posture of, of receiving from the Lord. Lord, this morning we choose to place ourselves in a, a position of receiving from you fresh faith, fresh grace in this moment. I believe there's some people here this morning that are in a wilderness season. They feel like they're wandering, like they're they're taking the long route. God, I pray there'd be just a fresh grace, a wind at their backs to trust you in your providential story, your sovereign story written over their lives, that you can be trusted. I pray right now just for a presence, a sense of your presence, your reality over their lives. There's some in this place who have a hard time believing that the miraculous can be at work in our day and age, and they they either explain it away or explain it away or just avoid thinking about it. Well, God, this morning I pray there would just be no no more excuses. 
they'd come face to face with this miracle working God, this God who, who does heal the blind, this God who does heal the deaf, this God who does you know, transform the, the oppressed and the, the addicted. This God who redeems stories. And Lord, I, I believe there's some people here this morning that they've had moments with you. They've had encounters with you. They've seen your, your work in their midst. You've, they've seen you, or they've, they've felt you reveal things to their heart. And this morning becomes a morning where they respond fully. They take responsibility for the divine revelation given to them. And if King Jesus truly sits on the throne of their hearts and they need to live differently, there needs to be something that shifts in there Monday through Saturday. I pray, God, right now, just a grace across this room. Presence of God, just move in this place. Holy Spirit, move in hearts, move in minds. Lord, you see, you see these receptive hearts. You're allowing people to see differently. You're renewing their minds. You're informing them of their supernatural history in you, Jesus. They've been grafted in. They have an inheritance. They have a heritage that's so rich, that's so supernatural and miraculous. Hallelujah, Lord. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org.